he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Well, hello, y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Bloodified, the one and only podcast dedicated to the exploitation of the sometimes dazzling, sometimes tragic world of event entertainment. And I have got to say that what has been happening here in California is indeed tragic. Uh, Alex, you may remember all of the talk about AB5. Right. Yep. So for the, those of you who may not remember or who uh, are not familiar, AB5 was authored by Assemblywoman here in California, Lorena Gonzalez Fletcher, and co-authored by our San Diego mayoral candidate, Assemblyman Todd Gloria. And it, it's aimed at ending the misclassification of employees as independent contractors in the state of California. Uh, it went into effect last September excuse me, it went into, it was signed into law last September 2019. And in January, it went into effect and became law. And the law is well intended. And here's why. There are a lot of companies who within the, within the daily course of business have functions that they bring people on as an independent contractor to fulfill when that function is in fact a function of the business and should be fulfilled by somebody who's being paid as an employee and has the same rights and benefits as an employee. That's what the law is meant to end. So for example, and not to point fingers at any kind of industry or business, but if you are, for example, a florist and unfortunately you have the type of business that requires that you only have one designer on full-time but you like to scale up so that when you you have the opportunity you could bring other designers other florists on who work with you and you pay them as an independent contractor uh, because you don't employ them and maybe they get work doing something else, or maybe they don't do that at all, and you're just paying them as a floral designer because they have that talent and have done it for you, but in their real life, they do something else. Nonetheless, you provide floral design and florals. So by definition, the people that you bring in are not independent contractors, they are employees because they are floral designers putting florals together that you are going to monetize. That's your business model. So in that case, the person should be an employee. And the law tends to, wants to end those misclassifications. And what it does is it sort of turns the dime on it. And instead of having to prove employee status or to show employee status, now you are considered an employee of an organization that pays you 
unless you're exempt from that consideration. And to be exempt as an independent contractor, you must prove certain criteria to the state before you can say somebody is an independent contractor. If that person is, again, providing services that you provide within the course of your daily business, then that person should be an employee. So in the case of the forest, the option then is to bring on another part-time or two part-time designers and then build, hopefully, your business profile so that you're giving them enough work throughout the course of business. It's not an easy proposition, but it's really what needs to happen. Now, in our world, what happened was the state put this into effect so quickly that industries and businesses were impacted across the board and all hell was raised, right? We were part of that in January when we were all trying to figure out how do we in the event in the gig world deal in this new gig economy that's being imposed on us. It was very difficult. And um, we went through a series of, um, first of all, I read the law. And Mm -hmm. it was very clear what needed to happen uh, in order for us to work with entertainers and musicians that were not part of a union. It was also very clear. and, And if you read the National Law Review, it will say that part of the reason this law was enacted was due to uh, the push by unions who back this law 1,000% because their, their ranks are falling, right? And they need to beef up their membership. And if you're a union member, then your unemployment tax and your benefits are handled in your contracting, so it's a non-issue. But there are professionals who do better and don't want to be union members, especially musicians, and this is where it was especially hard-hitting. Musicians were not brought to the bargaining table when this was enacted, but the unions were, and so the musicians that were not part of unions were left out in the negotiating, and so they suddenly found that they couldn't perform. They couldn't go to a gig. They couldn't be in a band uh, because they wouldn't be able to be paid, you know, because they, they couldn't be an employee of somebody's. It became very difficult. Well, the last I have read of the law and with COVID-19, it sort of went away a little bit in the minds of most of us, but it didn't. And to her, uh, to her credit, Uh, Lorena Gonzalez Fletcher has um, put in some changes to the law, some they've amended the law, uh, effective immediate, and um, in the law, musicians and performing artists are now exempt. And uh, so are a number of other professions around the the, uh, business of music, uh, music producers like our friend Marty, uh, those who partake in a recording, if they're part of the royalty, if they're not, then they might be considered an employee. But if they're on the take in the, in the uh, 
royalty, then as a vocalist, for example, they would not be an employee. And so you can bypass that. Um, the engineer at the studio is no longer an employee. There are some little guidelines for some of these, but they are now exempt from the AB5 ruling, which basically changed the definition of an independent contractor and made it a three-pronged definition and set and and in order to be considered an independent contractor you needed to meet every single one of those prongs right, right. this is the abc test now those exempt can defer back to the borello test which was a much wider test with more prongs and there wasn't there isn't a need to satisfy all of them there's a need to satisfy some of them and the most important ones lights licensure being one um, in the world of performing arts having created something that is yours that you own the rights to the ability to perform and uh showcase that that gives you the right to do that. So that helps people like our Tim Kearns mm -hmm. and, our, yeah. and our Vernons, you know, those people who've created these characters and can now perform. Uh, they can now, because they're licensed, because they have the, the proper insurances that they need, they're going to be just fine. I still say that's important. Insurance is still important. Licensing is yes. important. Banking, having the right banking structure is important, but that is now not going to be necessarily a defining feature or defining piece of whether or not a musician or performing artist or anybody who creates music or art in our world. And it extends to photography, creative design as well, videography, it extends to them as well. So it's a huge sigh of relief for us in our world yes and and i'm it's some good news because uh i was fielding a lot of those calls from our very worried talent the, you know the artists on our roster and it's nice to be able to share some good news with them i, I do want to make this point and um i know we have a guest artist but i do want to make this last point before i do and that is it is still the right decision for the state it is still the right law it was put into uh, practice very quickly and without the right kind of forethought and meetings that needed to take place in a state like California, where so many rely on their creative talents to either make a living or make an income secondary. It's also not fair when we live in an economy where people really do need more than one job to survive. And even if it's a full-time job with benefits, people, young people especially, are finding the need to have more than one job. And so the, you never want to cut off anybody's ability to make a living. And making these refinements will help to alleviate some of that. And I'm saying this because there is good word there's, there's information that the entire country could be headed this way with some kind of similar law. Uh, but I, so I wanna make sure people understand it's not a bad law. It's not meant to uh, squash innovation or uh, the ability to moonlight or make additional income, but it has to be worded correctly. 
Uh, I need to make that clear because so many of us misunderstood it. Myself included, that was for sure. Yeah, and so I, I think it's important that people understand that it is not a bad law. It just needs to be enacted properly. So who do we have? Oh, we, I love this man. Uh, you know, you've seen him at piano bars. Um, he's known for his dueling pianos. He has fun solo shows and the many bands and ensembles that he's formed, such as Etouffee and the New Orleans Jazz Band. And again, jumping right into the virtual world, straight from his cabaret under quarantine show, we have the fabulous Mr. Kenny Art. Kenny, hello! <laughs> well, hello there. Hey, Kenny, what's hey. up? What's up? Well, I'm going crazy with my schoolwork right now. We're teaching online, and it's, it's just insane. So, so you're teaching. Tell us about your teaching. Oh, I teach at Grossmont College. I've been there for a long time in the music department. Don't tell us how long, because we don't want to know how old you are. I, I will not. Not to worry. Not to worry. But what do you teach? I teach a couple of piano classes and an ear training class. An ear training class? Oh. How do you train ears? I we teach that. you how to wiggle your ears and move them up and down. <laughs> it's oral skills is the actual name. It's, you know, when you, when you hear music and you have to transcribe it, rhythms and melodies and et cetera. Can you sight read? Duh. Can you, are you, are you um, do you have perfect pitch? No, I do not have perfect pitch, which makes me a good ear training teacher. Because if yes. you have perfect pitch, yeah. you really don't need ear training. <laughs> That's right. So how long, you've been teaching there for a while. I promise not to ask you that. And yet here I go. It's just a, you know, it just comes right out of my mouth. 32 <laughs> years, if you have to know. <laughs> 32 years. And you're, but you're from, you're not from here. You're from yep. New Orleans. No, right? I got the job straight from New Orleans when I first moved here. And so I have to confess, I remember Kenny back in the days when I was going to Grossmont College. Oh, in the theater was... department. I just, I remember they, there would be some little concerts and I remember seeing you on campus. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty small. The, yeah. the arts complex, the arts complex. It's, it's, it's pretty small. There's a, a really good dance program there too, I understand. There's an excellent dance program. There's yes. an excellent theater program. We have the best music department in town. It's, well, I, who else yeah. is in your department? I bet we Derek have- Cannon is the uh, chair. He, he won, I think it was two years ago when he won Best Jazz Musician. I don't know what the exact title was, but it, it was for the San Diego Music Awards. It was mm -hmm. the top jazz award. Um, we have Melanie Grinnell, Justin Grinnell, Fred Benedetti. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just powerhouses. Yeah. Manny Cepeda. Yeah, we know. Where Manny play? Huh? Manny has a studio. Manny wow. plays percussion, and he nice. has a band, an orchestra, big, big band. Right. You also mentioned somebody in there that we just worked with ourselves, Justin Grinnell. Justin Grinnell, yeah. Yes. He was, he was the, bass uh, bass the bass player on our uh, Christmas Waltz at the studio last year. Oh, that was, that was yeah, Justin yeah, Grinnell, yeah. a really, really talented gent. Yeah, and, Fred. and he's married to Melanie Grinnell, who's an incredible yes. pianist. Jazz pianist. Like, the, the talent here is really incredible. You among them. Uh, you know, you just didn't happen upon the piano. You're degreed. You have an education. You teach. Uh, you play a variety of styles. Uh, you play without music, as I believe, right? Um, for the most part. For the most part. I, I, use, I use 
cheat sheets for my lyrics. That's okay. <laughs> and you, um, you have a variety, as, as Alex pointed out, a variety of, I'll call it products, um, from the piano, uh, dueling piano to etouffee to your own uh, one man really show because you can carry a show uh, with you on the piano. You've got the personality and the vibe. Um, tell us what you're doing today. Tell us about um, quarantine under cabaret. No, cabaret under quarantine. Yes. Although well, it does feel like the latter. <laughs> it started out, I had some friends who were doing it. And, and when he advertised it on Facebook, I thought it was going to be hokey. But I watched a couple of his shows and it was really fun. So I thought, well, I can do this. So Brian and I started doing it. And in, inside the house, it was, it was still chilly outside. It was back in March. And it got to be so much fun that we just decided to do it every week. And it's a kick. It's just so much fun. I have some neighbors. No more than six. We limit it to six so we can social distance. But I've been setting up outside on my porch, which is like a stage. And I bought a canopy for the driveway. And they sit properly spaced from one another in the driveway. And so I have a live audience. People sometimes come out and sit out in the street. And I have neighbors on two sides down. My two neighbors on, on one side of my house come out in their yards every Thursday. And I have people from, I have friends in Thailand who show up every week. I have friends in New York. I have bunches of people in New Orleans who show up. And of course, all my San Diego peeps. And so Romy K is always there. Romy K. She's in New Orleans. She moved there right before Katrina. Great timing, huh? Yes, I remember when she moved there. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I talk to her often. So you have quite a, an audience then for this, an online and a bit of a live audience as well. Yeah, so it's great fun. It really is. We were talking yesterday in our department meeting at school about every semester we do concerts, faculty concerts. And each one of the piano teachers, we have five piano teachers, and each one of us picks a month during the semester and do a solo uh, uh, concert. Recital? Well, yeah, I mean, it's not really recital. Everybody's jazz players. I, I take that back. Brian, Brian Roy is one of the best classical players in town. He plays with the symphony. Um, yep. Yeah, another gross one. We have quite the faculty there. So, but it's mostly jazz. Uh, Danny Green. Great jazz pianos. Great jazz pianos. So, anyway, so they were talking about, you know, doing virtual concerts. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm just going to do my show. So if you want me to do that as, as you know, a faculty concert, I'm happy to. I said, but, you know, there might be some drinking involved. <laughs> I, might. I don't know. Might. I don't know. I don't know if that's kosher. And, and some language, perhaps. <laughs> but I guarantee it'll be fun. <laughs> That they are. <laughs> Not going to be a stuffy jazz concert, I can tell you that. <laughs> what was the buy-in on that? I'm curious. Oh, they loved it. They always, they always encourage me to do my own stuff. I mean, it's really different than what they do. I mean, they are just killer jazz pianists. And, you know, I play jazz, but that's not, you know, not like they play jazz. They play jazz, you know, as an art. I play jazz for fun. Mm -hmm. What is, the, what is the overall guiding light or goal for students that are in that department? 
because obviously they, uh, the, the other faculty appreciate the fact that you bring something else to the table. So what is it that they hope the students gain at the end of the four year? Well, you know, it's changing. I mean, you know, it's a college, so we have to be college level. And we want them to, it's, it's a community college, so they have to transfer. So our goal is to make them transfer ready by the time they finish their AA degree. And most of them will transfer to state, and state has a really rigorous music to have. So, you know, we try to get them as ready for that as possible. Their ear training, oral skills, in fact, is a killer. <laughs> so, you know, whenever they complain in my class, it's like, oh, just wait. You think this is tough. So anyway, that, that's the, the thrust. But in the past, oh, I don't know, five, 10 years, things, things have changed. Uh, I always do a meet and greet at the beginning of the semester. And more students than not are going into production because that's what they hear. That's what they see, right. you know? So, you know, I'm afraid the acoustic piano is going to be an antique. It's gonna be obsolete at okay. some point in the not too distant future. You can't give them away. I have, I have a beautiful Steinway downstairs. If I wanted to sell it, I mean, you can't give them away. Ugh. You know, you can go to any consignment store in town and buy a beautiful piano for next to nothing. So, you know, you either gotta move with the times or not. Right. You know, I'm really happy to have my piano experience. I have a master's degree in classical piano performance. Um, and, and I, I'm very, very happy for that. I love to go downstairs and play classical music on the piano. But you know, that ain't where it's at anymore. No. I mean, if that's all I could do, I'd be up the creek, I think, at this particular point in time. Uh, unless you're doing that at a certain level. And even if you're doing it at that level today, you're, excuse the expression, the luck because there's yeah. no work for you. The whole idea of a piano in a home is to gather around it and sing together, and uh, that's not happening either. So, yeah, it's unfortunate because that is one instrument that I believe just cannot be replicated electronically. And it, you know, it's it's done. It just feels very different. It's it gotten is, a it whole is. lot better. It has sampling. Sampling changed the entire keyboard industry. Before that, they kept trying to reproduce right. the sound of a piano, and it just didn't work. It's too complex. Right. But when sampling came about, you know, basically when you play a note, you get a recording of a real piano. Right. And I mean, you can get some amazing. You can get some amazing. That's an electric Yamaha CP300. It's amazing the sound that you can get, and that wasn't always like that. You know, the Fender Rhodes that you see Stevie Wonder playing on, I hated that keyboard. It felt lousy. It was tremendously heavy. You know, it almost took two people to put it in your car. And it was just one after another. If you've ever been to the Museum of Music in Carlsbad. I have, I have, yes. It's, it's really interesting, but they have keyboards through the years. And I had every one of those. I, I, had, oh, wow. I had every one of those because you know it was just a thing to do um and so i was really happy when sampling came about and you know you could actually play a piano like a piano mm -hmm. i i remember uh when judy and i gigged and uh we had to carry her, <laughs> her electric piano <laughs>
work? Is it teaching? Is it performing? Is it leading a band? What, what, what part of it really jazzes Yes, you? yes, and yes. <laughs> Good. I, I love teaching. I, I mean, I could have retired, but I just won't because I love what I do. Not online, because my retirement could be imminent. <laughs> I, I love teaching classes, though. It's just great, you know? And you don't get in a rut because every semester you get new students. And I, I teach piano one and two, so I get to keep them for two semesters. Uh, so I love that. And I also teach privately. I've got some great private students that I've been teaching virtually. But I love to play, and I love to play classical music. I love interacting with people. I'm so happy that that we were able to bring the show outside and get a little live audience because I love interact. I love to see people having fun, you know, and it's just a two way thing. When they have fun, I have fun. When I have fun, they have fun. Yeah. So it's just. It's really delightful fun. to watch you do, to do that. It really, you know, you can tell that you are in your element 100% and having the best time. Uh, and, and what I think is really great about you, Kenny, as I've been part of your virtual cabarets, your, your quarantine cabarets, is that even when things go wrong, as they will do, especially in a virtual world, you just roll with it, you have fun, you don't let it stop you, you don't let it fluster you, and you, you acknowledge it in a fun way, and you bring everybody in on that little bit of craziness, that chaos, so everybody's right there along the ride with you having a great time. It's one of the, I was just going to say, it's, it's, it's one of the talents that is, I believe, underappreciated, the ability to lead a crowd in song and do so in sort of a off-the-cuff kind of uh, spontaneous way that doesn't feel planned or rehearsed in any way and to bounce off of them and play off of them in, in the manner that you do. It's a talent set that is not common. It is not. And you know, it takes a lot of rehearsal to make it look like there's been no rehearsal. <laughs> That's true. Well, you know, the shows have been an amazing education for me because I usually watch the entire show. Well, I'll zoom through the songs, through a lot of the songs, unless I really want to hear something. But it's a tremendous educational tool. I have cleaned what are you up. Learning? I, I'm, I'm pretty pleased for the most part. You know, I mean, I've always been, like most musicians, fairly insecure. And so watching this has been a real boost because it's like, well, damn, this is pretty good. You know, this is better than I realized. Because I mean, there are issues that, you know, are easy to clean up. You know, I talk too fast, you know, I'm, I need to calm down sometime. And these are things that, you know, are easy to clean up that you don't realize are happening. You know, setting up the keyboard, that, that's all, that always needs to be rehearsed. Because you can't sit there for five minutes trying to set up the keyboard while people are watching. So you really have to have your settings down and, you know, talk through your, while you're setting up the keyboard, talk through so that just, there's just not dead air there. And so, you know, I hope I'm getting better all the time. Like old wine. <laughs> <laughs> Fine wine. Fine, Fine wine. wine, not old wine. <laughs> well, you know, the alternative is to do nothing and yeah. to uh, propagate true. nothing and learn nothing. So you are getting better just by the mere fact that you're doing it and you're engaged and you're 
and, and it's in your body. You know, you're not just talking about it. You're doing it. You're getting. You're doing. Going through the motions, and that, as we both know, where the real learning is, right? Especially mm -hmm. in our world. What's next for you? Do you have any big projects coming up? Are you happy to be doing what you're doing, and happy not to have anything coming up? Well, that's a lot of questions. I had a lot of questions. <laughs> but, uh, I was actually thinking of taking a course. You know, we can take courses. And since Brian works at San Diego State, I can also take courses at San Diego State. So it would be a great time to take a virtual course once I get my own classes underway. I also wrote a show called The Delta Queen way back before I left New Orleans. And it was produced and, you know, run as, as a developmental sort of run. Uh, and it, it had a lot of potential, but I never followed through. And I found, I've been going through my computer and, and trying to delete old files, and I found a rewrite that I had completely forgotten about that I did in 2010, 10 years ago. And it was pretty good. I thought, wow, this is pretty good. You know, I started rewriting and I guess school stuff came up or whatever. And I just, you know, put it aside and forgot about it. So I would love to work on that show while everything's closed because it would be a great time, you know, to, to approach. We have so many theater outlets here, as you know. Yes, I do. You know, something yeah. like Moxie, yep. you know. You know, there are lots of venues where I could get this show developed, you know, if I could get a product. The music, everybody who I shopped it around to in New Orleans loved the music. A lot of the original stuff that I do during the show is from that show. Um, but, you know, I had never written a show before. So, you know, I, and I wrote the, the lyrics, the music, and the book. So, wow. you know, not knowing anything about theater production, the book obviously needed work. So I have a friend who lives in Albuquerque now who has produced a, a few successful plays in New York where he previously lived. And he's willing to help me with it, you know, if I get it underway. How are the students holding up? Well, enrollment's really down. We're down like 10%. Mm. Yeah, I had two of my, I actually only have one class this semester because two of my classes got dropped. Oh, because so of enrollment. Because of enrollment. Yeah. Actually, I gave away my piano class to one of them, to one of the more needy teachers. Um, you mean there's somebody needier than you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, because some people were in danger of having no classes at all. So, you know, it's, uh, I had three, I had three classes. My piano two class got canceled early on because of low enrollment. And then I had a piano one class in my ear training class and some of the other piano teachers didn't have any classes. So I thought, well, might as well spread the wealth. Nice. You're a good man, yeah. Kenny. Hey, Kenny, when you're doing an event for a corporate date, you know, for, for a specific audience, what are some of the things that you like to know before you, you, uh, take the gig or before you uh, actually go to the gig? What are some of the things that help you do a better job? Well, the age of the audience is important, you know, so you can get a proper set list put together. You don't always have to follow every song on the list, but you don't want dead time in between. Mm -hmm. You know, it depends upon what kind of gig it is. If it's just background piano, you can, it's very flexible. But you know, if it's a, if it's a show, you know, a hands-on, you know, face-to-face, in-your-face kind of show, you better, you know, know who your audience is going to be. You know, what the venue is like. I mean, we're talking live now, right? We're talking in yes. person. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, know what the venue is. The sound system is really important. You know, can I handle my own sound? Do I need a sound person? Um, you know, if it's with the band, you know, there's a lot of details that have to be taken care of and, you know, sound systems and dealing with the band, getting everything set up, payroll, you know, you know. And what about virtually? How much of that's different? Is well, much I don't of it's know the same? I mean, it's, you know, I've only had the experience with my shows so far, so it's hard to tell. I mean, if this is any indication that your sound is crystal clear. I mean, crystal clear. Why, thank you. Yeah, and, and, and the picture is crystal clear. So I suspect, Alex and I were discussing this, I suspect that it's, it's the hosts, whoever the host is, that, that's, that's where the transmission comes from. You know, so it, it all comes down to how equipped the host, I mean, I have a pretty decent internet for home internet, but you know, it's still home internet. And, you know, I bumped up my router and I have a mesh system now throughout the house. Um, but, you know, it's still cable. Yeah. And there are still variances in the service that people get. Nonetheless, they sell us on the most robust service, but that changes from time to time. The number of people on the network, it, you know, affects the, the bandwidth and the speed. So there are so many variables that even if you have the highest speed. Yeah, they're also limited to their own connection. Yes. Which you have no control over. Right. Exactly. So, you know, I have students who come in and out, you know, I mean, last semester, we taught half the semester online and it was a mess, you know, because the students were new at this too, you know, nobody had ever used Zoom before. And, uh, you know, a lot of these students are economically strapped. They, they're, they're limited to their phones, that's it. Some of them don't even have computers. Right. Yeah, you know, so it's, it's tricky. It is tricky, but you know, it's also a balance act. You know, uh, and this is what I'm trying to get my clients to understand. The authenticity now is more important than the perfection in a production. So people are more yeah. willing to sort of, right? They're sort of more, more willing to deal with the inadequacies of the internet and the fact that, you know, it's not always crystal clear. As long as you're authentic on the other end and you're being real and you're, whether it's having a good time or, you know, a dramatic reading, whatever it is, as long as there's authenticity, because people are looking for that now. So I, I agree, it's, it's hard. Uh, but there is also an opportunity there and, um, you know, it's just different and we will, we'll get through it for sure. It's interesting because in my show, I use my phone, but the phone is so convenient. But, and, 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 you know, when you're watching it on your phone or even on your iPad, the replay, it looks fine. And even on your computer, it looks okay. But we finally got a smart TV. Actually, we bought a fire stand. <laughs> and, uh, and you're able to watch the Facebook performances on your TV. But, you know, on a big widescreen TV, it looks this big. Yeah. So that never even occurred to me, you know, that people are actually watching this on their TV. But it is a limited amount of pixel, you know, yeah. so it's not going to cover the screen. Or if it does, it's going to be difficult to see what it is. Yeah, I found that uh, the technology is a little bit easier to handle and maneuver around on a laptop than it is on my phone, 
but we are also, or I should speak for myself, I am not as native to this phone deal and how small everything is and how quick you have to be and getting around it all. So it's a little bit more difficult when it's not right in front of my face. You know, and with, with the phone, you lose certain functionality. You have to actually find it because it's yeah. not so evident, you know. And I think maybe we were talking also the sound quality, obviously, maybe that emits from it. But it's interesting, though, because when you put earphones into it, you know, you get terrific sound, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had my headphones working yesterday. I don't know why. It's, these are the irritating things. When you're on your computer and you cannot get the Bluetooth to connect, and you know the Bluetooth on the computer is working because it's on everything else. And you know, I, I tried hooking up the headphones to my phone, they work fine. So my computer and my headphones are just not talking. And that, that, that's sort of problematic. And one of the things that yeah. we try to work out in you know, getting people online earlier and testing these things. And one of the things that you do in, in the fact that you're testing and you're rehearsing beforehand, like you just said, you, it's worked every time except for right now you know right and there's no explanation right exactly and that's just the way it happens to be right so here you go i won't take up any more time you have anything else for for kenny i i don't um i'm just looking forward to your show thursday night well good tune in facebook live under quarantine Cabaret Under Quarantine, Facebook Live, Kenny mm -hmm. Ard, Thursday nights, 5 o'clock, that's Pacific Daylight Time, 8 yes. o'clock in the East, and, you know, do the math if you live somewhere else. <laughs> Kenny, <laughs> can you play a little game with me? Sure. A little this or that? I was going to say, no, it was this or that. This or that. This or okay, that. you know this game then. Okay, uh, this or that. Louis Armstrong or Ella Fitzgerald? Oh, man, don't ask me that. Yes, to that. No, no, no. They know this or that. They know this or that. that. Okay, you no. can say both. Look, look, I'm showing an elephant's Fitzgerald together. Okay. Uh, front seat or back seat? Ooh, that could be nasty. <laughs> I'm a front seater. I always like to drive. There you go. That's nasty, too. Uh, uh, more or less? More or less? Oh, I'm from New Orleans. More. Okay. Yeah, if baby. If this is good, give me more. Yeah, baby. Everything in excess. Uh, the movie theater or the live theater? Oh, live theater for sure. Uh, yeah. Salty or sweet? Salty. I have a real sweet tooth. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I just heard a laugh behind me. <laughs> I have one more, and that is uh, jazz or classical. Jazz. That's a tough one, too, though. You know, jazz is such a broad term. You know, it's, it's know, such right. a broad genre. It, it's... Okay. Yeah. Let me see if I can do better than that, then. Um, Avant-garde jazz or traditional jazz? Traditional jazz. Totally. I hate, I hate, I mean, I hate, and this is blasphemy in my world, but I hate non-melodic, cerebral things. Ugh. If I can't feel it, I don't care how technical it is or how wonderful the music, if it don't give me goosebumps, then I listen to something else. 
I'm so with you on that. Amen. So with you on that. Even if it's instrumental, I want to be able to riff with it and hum with it. And you just can't do that with avant-garde jazz because it's not a judgment. I mean, you know, I know people that adore jazz and it's fine. It's it's a subjective thing. Of course. It just doesn't appeal. Does not appeal to me. All right, I have another one then. Minor keys or major keys? Ooh, that's a good one. I love minor keys. Yes. Come on, a feeling. Love that. I don't know, Kenny. I think you're the man of my dreams. You just answered <laughs> down the line exactly as I would have answered. He is always so delightful to talk with, but humble, right? I mean, you felt that, right? He just doesn't talk himself up. No, he doesn't. He is so humble, and everything again is is process and technique. And uh, but I, I will say though, I I, I I failed to mention this to him because I had a great suggestion for the name of his what it's called quarantine. Uh, it's cor- cabaret under quarantine. Oh, I think the. Queer and Tina Cabaret. <laughs> it's just who's Tina? Me. There, there you go. Me. Happy Tina. The, no, that's the queer. The queer and Tina Cabaret. I, I, yeah, I meant to suggest that, but another, another. Who cares? Who cares? Another time. Anyway, uh, he is a delight. Um, you must catch him on Thursday nights uh, for his cabaret. 5 p.m. It's, yeah, uh, uh, no, it's 5 to 7 or 4 to 7? Oh my gosh, I should know that because I watch it almost every Thursday. Um, I think it's a 5 o'clock five, start. It's, yeah, it's 5 to 7. It is 5 to 7. It mm-hmm. absolutely Tune in is. at 5. If you missed an hour, who cares? <laughs> but if you tune in at 4 and it's not there, you're going to care. You're going to care. So no, it five. actually is. It is 5 to 7. Uh, and you know what? He's, he's such a gracious man that he doesn't feel the need to be in the spotlight. When he's doing his stuff, he's always promoting other artists out there doing the same thing, giving credit where credit is due, talking about those he's learned from and what, oh, well, look, they're doing it. I can do this. And it's, be, it's become this beautiful community between artists helping each other out, calling mm-hmm. each other for technical issues or ideas for each other's shows. And uh, he, he truly is just a gracious man always willing to help. I kind of have this, uh, I have this theory about uh, talented, secure people, because we work with many of them, right? And the most talented and the most secure in who they are, are always the easiest and the nicest to work with. And it's those who are a little afraid and are a little on edge with themselves that aren't. And I hate to use that general sort of definition but it's so true the more the more comfortable they are with who they are and their ability the easier it is mm-hmm. to deal with them they don't feel like they have to necessarily prove you know their actions speak right and they know what they bring to the table right, right. and they're confident in that so folks we hope to see some of those uh, very talented people more of them come our way uh, it was so nice to have kenny If you'd like to stay in touch with us, you can always find us at bolotta.com. That's B-O-L-L-O-T-T-A, a lot of bolotta.com. Just press the contact button and send us an email and we'll uh, we'll shoot you back. 
You can also find us wherever you find your podcasts. We love five stars, just saying. Uh, so look for us there and share. Share us if you think that uh, somebody could uh, benefit from listening or would like us. We like being liked. Yeah, we do. We're fun. Right? Yeah. And so, bye.